This episode is dedicated to Nipsey Hussle. Rest in power. Recently opened up um, an inner city co-work space in the in the vein of um, we work like we work for for local entrepreneurs. You know what I mean? And we got uh, I think eight entrepreneurs that all have products in the tech space that are in the building with us. And we we also have a, a science, technology, engineering, and math center on the second level for young kids to be able to get trained in um in the skill set that it, it takes to get into Silicon Valley. How, I just want to ask everybody here in the audience, how many of y'all are familiar? First of all, anyone have kids in the audience? Okay, one, two, three, all right. Are you familiar with the STEM program? Now, the fact that this man right here has invested his time in, in space for that, I think that's worth a, you know, yeah, a yeah. round of applause. Absolutely amazing. Thank y'all. Because that's the next level. That's how right. we're going to bridge the You've gap to a lot of these things. Yeah. Such, a, such a forward thinker. What, you know, what was it about? What you do and who you are that made you want to get involved with that, you know, STEM program specifically and, and just understanding how important it is for the next generation. Well, you know, truthfully, I was at the Laker game and I was sitting next to a person and we ain't really speak during the first couple quarters. I ain't know him. I didn't think he knew me. I was, you know, with my people. He was with his people. And um, about second quarter, we had took some shots and, you know, that shit make you a little more friendly. Loosen, <laughs> loosen up. He like, yeah, you nip, right? Yeah, what's up, man? Cool. We started talking. He like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a real estate developer and investor. Um, I got a concept, and I want you to take a look at it. What you doing tomorrow? Can you come out of the office? So me and my homeboy pulled up to his office, and he had the blueprint for what became Vector 90 and Too Big to Fail, which is what I just described to y'all. His name Dave Gross. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, dude come from the inner city of L.A. You know, his brother was, you know, murdered recently. You know what I mean? On gang shit. His other brother doing time. And uh, he was just the the one out of the three brothers that, you know, went to New York and went to an Ivy League school, pursued finance, ended up on Wall Street. And then when he became, um, you know, accumulated some resources, he wanted to come back to L.A. and build. So that was the vision he had. And, you know, I, I, I partnered up with him. And, um, you know, we opened the doors the day before the album dropped. So the album dropped February 16th, which was this past Friday, a couple of days ago. We opened the Vector 92 Big to Fail, Crenshaw District Compound on February 15th. So it, it came to fruition the day before the album came out. And um, it's a documentary we're getting to put out about it and everything. Some very powerful people involved, a dude by the name of um, Don Peebles. He one of the most successful black real estate developers in the world. He worth like $5 billion. You know, he building a skyscraper in LA. He about to he about to buy the SLS hotel. Mm. I mean, excuse me, the, um, not the SLS. They building the SLS, the, uh, the Viceroy. Thank you, mm. Brittany. You know what I'm saying? Because we all looking Salute. for some rules. That's a strong team. See, yeah. Yeah. your team right there. <laughs> yeah, you know but, what I mean? Right there with you. Yeah, but dude, you know, people's, his dad was a mechanic. He first generation. Mm. So that's a story everybody should educate themselves on, Don Peebles. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, so it's a power team involved. It right. ain't just me. I'm just, I, I play one of the roles in it. All right. right. I want yeah. y'all to uh, also understand the common denominator. Nipsey and his team is doing their homework. We can't yeah. just always mm. expect shit to fall in our lap. You got to do your homework. Today with me, I have Tirza Monet, business and accountability coach. Tirza, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you for coming on. Welcome to Black Equity. 
Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I wanted to talk to you today because I'm investing in tech. I'm learning about this wonderful world. And you're one of the experts in this world. I came across a a, a tweet that really changed my perspective on how I saw the tech world. You said something along the lines of, if, if Black people understood that tech is their superpower, am I saying that right? Or can you clean that up for me? What exactly did you mean by that? Um, I, I think the tweet you're referring to is, I, I said that I'm going to keep on telling, uh, telling you that um, black, being Black in tech is a superpower until we all start believing it. Mm. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so um, tech is one of the only industries that you can come out of poverty in one generation. And we know this because this is one of the things that they are doing in Stockton right now. They are um, actually using um, the the Girls Who Code program um, Mm -hmm. there as a means of um, empowering the people that are in those communities that are um, reliant on the housing programs to um, educate them on how to use their skills in order to get out, out of the situation they're in. So um, I'm from Stockton and uh, they actually haven't had an opening in their housing authorities um, since 2009. Wow. So um, by way of using technology and by way of teaching um, these girls how to um, code we can get them like get a whole generation out of that system and open up opportunities to help even more families. So really when I was tweeting about that, it was really speaking to that point is that um, one, you can, you can get out of, out of any situation um, with the right education and tech is happens to be one that actually can be leveraged for financial gains. Gotcha. Um, But there's another place where that comes from was really um i see a lot on on twitter and just moving like just moving through um the field where people will acknowledge the problems that are in the industry and use them to their detriment and will like keep rehearsing and keep replaying the same narrative that you know we're the only i'm the only i'm the only and um, I think the power that I've always had as a Black woman in tech is that when I walk in as the only, people are paying more attention to me. People are watching me more, which could be frustrating. And like it is sometimes, but at the same time, that is a power in itself that people are paying attention. You have a platform that you can leverage. Um because you have already got their attention. Gotcha. Gotcha. How did you, you say you're from, you're in Stockton, uh, California, or you're from Stockton. How did you get into tech? What, what was your experience walking into that world? And then what was it like? Was there any type of a culture shock uh, adjusting to that world? Um, you know what? It's kind of funny. My, so my mom was a database analyst um, growing up. And so she was already walking in that world. Um, I was always sitting in the classrooms while she was working on her um, her degree 
and everything. And so um, I, I naturally always was gifted with computers. She always made sure I had access to it. And because of that exposure to just having having a computer in the house and like my mother not fearing the internet because there was a lot of parents back in the early 90s who really feared the internet for their right. kids. My parents, um, my parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I had aunts that were just not not for it. Um, I was never I was I was always experimenting with it and so uh, my space I would say was like when I engaged the most mm-hmm. um, with with tech as services so um, my friends wanted to send their top eights to top 24s or they wanted to do the little shout out panels and things like that back right. in the day so um, I was the kid that knew how to do it and would like reverse engineer the code and um so that was like my first like i would say my professional experience right doing, right doing um development and being being a little bit more business mind business oriented about it and then um from there you know i never intended to be a, a web developer or really go into the tech industry like i used to tell my mom all the time like you know this is my space everyone does this um it wasn't it wasn't my focus but i would say that um over time once we had the we had 10 million dollar budget cuts to the california education um during the recession and that swiped my options off the table yeah like i wanted to be a journalist and they took away journalism they took away the art programs they took away all of these things that were the really the focus of where i thought that my life was heading and um, but the skill that I was really good at, that was really profitable, that could pay for me to go back and do those things, um, was, was being in tech. And so I had always said that I was going to be a journalist and do web stuff on the side so I could eat. And, um, <laughs> and that was the mindset. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and get this degree in, yeah. in, in web design, web development, and, um, and then try to, uh, go back when I have the means to, um, pay for it. And so, um, in terms of stepping into a professional career, like as soon as I started school, um, I found out that I wasn't going to be able to afford it. My mom lost her job within six months of me starting college. And, um, so it was, it was something where I'm like, okay, I could fail right here, um, and just drop out and like go and find a, just a regular skill or I can apply myself. So I went and volunteered um, like a tremendous amount and, you know, made friends with someone in every single department, (laughs) introduced myself to the director of of the program and said, Hey, like my name's Teresa. You're going to see a lot of me, um, a lot of me. And it's, it's been true all the way till now because he, he just text messaged me before this call and was like, (laughs) Hey, like, (laughs) um, and so he actually made it possible for me to get my first job uh, working directly with him wow. within six months of of being in my industry. And so I don't think there's very many industries where within six months of of being in school, you can already be working in a position. No, not not many at all. And making <laughs> pretty good money, too. Yeah, yeah. I was able to pay my way through and um, like pay my way through school, like not once, but twice and um, and now I'm in, in school for the third time. So it's, um, it's really been, you know, it's worked out for me, I would say it's, it's definitely worked out for me. Awesome. 
So you're in this world of tech. Now, somebody listening to this is going to say, okay, what exactly is tech? And I hear you saying web developer. Some people have heard me talk to, talking about software development in previous episodes. What, in your view, is, is tech? Where, where does the boundary uh, begin and end for you in tech? You know, it's funny because every time uh, I try to define this, it gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but Because it's really everything. It, that's what I was about to say. Really, tech, like we we think of tech in terms of computers, but tech technology is way more than the computers. It's how we measure things. It's how like um, you know they have this the computer history museum in um, in uh, the Silicon Valley, and it's like right across the street from Google. And the tech museum starts with the abacus and a ruler. Mm. And it goes all the way until like Web 2.0, where you have like the big like Silicon Valley um, like thought leaders that are on the wall, like on flat screen TVs, talking about what's next. Gotcha. So tech tech is really whatever tool it is that you need to create in order to get you to the next place. Mm. And I think that's the the fundamental of it because a, like hammer is a, a hammer was technology. Yes. And people don't think of tech in that way, but it's it's a tool that solves a problem. Gotcha. I, it would be the way that I defined it. Gotcha. So if somebody's in tech, they've decided to solve a problem, and they bump into you. What is it like working with you? What exactly is the steps of working with you, and what exactly is that relationship look like? Um, usually it's, it's a lot of self-awareness, sometimes some tears, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but it's, it, no, um, I, I ask a lot of questions because I, um, I think I, like I was talking about this today. It's, it's you, you learn more by asking the right questions and you can teach more by asking the right questions than you can ever by telling somebody something. And so, um, I, as a like as an accountability coach, I sit down and I start asking questions. Um, you know, what are your biggest goals? What are your biggest challenges? What like we really dive into a, a discuss like a self discovery um, process to understand where the holes are missing in your life because that that will inform where your ambitions lie and where you're falling short. What are and some, so, um, what are some of the common things you're seeing? So you're talking to a lot of different people without disclosing anyone specific. What are some of the trends you're seeing as uh, some of the barriers that are stopping people from getting to where they need to be in tech? Um, the biggest thing that I see repeated over and over is people are on one or one of two ends of the spectrum. Either they are so afraid of failure that they never start or they are so afraid of what their life is going to be like once they get what they want that they psych themselves out or they move slowly it's all in the mind it's all in the mind it's it's all (laughs) in the mind and most of the time people know exactly what they should be doing but because they're they're always bouncing between those two extremes they they don't actually put their foot on the path to like take take action. Mm. Do you, and so, do you yeah. think they do you think once they start thinking tech, they just psych themselves out and say, "Oh my goodness, I'm finally here. I'm finally in the middle of my dreams." And then they just 
uh, get stuck? Um, I don't necessarily know that it's like that they're finally living in their dreams. I think usually what happens is they get there, they arrive, and then there's this imposter syndrome that sets in. Gotcha. Um, I would say tech is one of the most humbling (laughs) uh, industries to be in, especially if you're like a developer, because it is built on the fact that no matter how much you know, you still know nothing because it's going to change tomorrow. Exactly. It's going to move so fast. And um, but that's the competitive advantage. It is the competitive advantage. So you have to position yourself in a place and in a way that you don't necessarily look to be as if you know everything because people will poke holes in 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 um you know in your pedestal yeah um but always be learning and like the the people who are succeeding the most i would say in in like my programs and then just in general in tech are the people that are constantly learning and um there's not there's not society doesn't prepare us for positions of continuous learning i would say like society prepares us for us to go and get a job and stay in there for 20 years yeah and so um you know you know your task you know what you're supposed to be doing you know who your boss is you know who your coworkers are you know what skills that set they're supposed to be supplying and what their position is that they play but in tech all of that changes all the time yeah all the time if you're if you're a parent right now what advice would you give to a parent with kids under 10 years old and maybe there's some some uh, interest in tech or in STEM in general? What, uh, what type of advice would you give them to maybe get them on the right track so they don't fall into what I would call society's trap? I would say the biggest one because this is this is actually a branch I'm kind of like stepping into right now Mm -hmm. is um is don't try to force them into a certain aspect of it the tech industry is massive there's so many different ways to find your way in in the tech industry there's tech writers there's tech analysts like um, you know, there's there's the developers and all this stuff. There's the people who are marketers. There there is so many aspects of it. Really, try to discover what your kids' strengths are and try to foster those strengths, and then give them activities that allow them to problem solve. Gotcha. Because I would say, like one of the things, my sister, she she's young and she's 13 years younger than me, so I. Um, when I was when I really wanted her to learn stuff I really tried to teach her to code and she just does not want to code she does like she hates it she's good at it but she hates it so I had to learn that my sister wants to be an influencer now because I was able to switch her platform I'm able to say okay you know here I'm gonna set you up on this platform um like but you can't you can't modify it unless you learn how to do this and so now she's like okay well I want to add a gallery I like I want to be able to connect my podcast to it I want to be able to like do YouTube videos like I see people doing and so now like instead of me telling her exactly what to do I can send her resources and let her run her own race towards it right so your experience working with a younger crowd 
how is your experience working with an older crowd? Ha- have you had to work with or are you working with anyone who's, I don't know, old, older than 35, older than 40? <laughs> I, hate to say, I hate to say that's old, but you know. I'm no, sure. I mean, I've, I've worked with people all the way in their 60s. Okay. And, um, and actually, I have, I have a client that's signing on that's, that's um, I think it's in, in her late 50s and early 60s. And so um, I actually started off working with, with, um, with the older audience because my first internship um, was with a company, like an agency. And so, you know, we're working with tourism bureaus and like educational programs and things like that. And those are the people that are really running those gotcha. shows. And so my, my first like real like um, position outside of the school was, was creating training for them or sitting down with them and showing them how to use things. Um, there is a, um, a, like I don't know if you got if you remember the the freedom bag that used to be on Q, QVC back in the day, mm-hmm. but um, free freedom bag was like one of my first clients, um, and they they're an older couple, like and uh, I had to you know show them some some uh, ropes on how to use WordPress and like you know how websites work now, like as they're um, as they're rebranding on a whole new platform and things like that so i definitely have had had um had my share of the older clientele gotcha so with the rise of of tech with you have people like nas investing you have people like jay-z investing you have people that you've never heard of investing vc firms are coming on you have someone like me who has a private equity firm and I'm looking for great people to work with all these great people to work with. And for you as one of the experts in this space of holding people accountable, what, what has been your biggest challenge? What has been my biggest challenge? Um, do you think like, I, I guess I need clarification on sure. the question. So you have all these different people that are coming into this space every day mm-hmm. and they're looking for assistance. They're looking for someone to help them out. And so I'm wondering with all these different personalities, I think that's my key thing because some people are coming from so many different angles. Mm-hmm. What, what has been, as you're working with people, what has been maybe the toughest thing for you? um, The toughest thing for you to have to deal with as an accountability coach? Um, I don't really like, I don't think I've really come across anything that's been a massive challenge because I, because I like, I would say because I work so one-to-one, Gotcha. like, I'm I'm really good at overcoming the challenges because usually it's not the first time I've seen them. Gotcha. Um, and I have like I have a lot of resources, but um, I guess in, in, for for me personally, as like I'm I'm still working on getting people to understand why accountability is so important. Why is it important? Um, because it's it's it ultimately it's it's the discipline that makes anything else happen like i used to sell all types of other services like i, I sold web design i did marketing i do pr i like i do all these other things 
Um, but the thing that people are really buying for me at, at like in all those services that I sold before mm-hmm. was really the accountability to make it happen. The the assets are easy. What is exact? What does accountability actually mean to you? Accountability means it's. I guess the the biggest difference is um, ca- accountability is the difference between making choices and decisions. Mm. So <laughs> break that down. Um, break that down. Black equity needs <laughs> to hear that. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, we move through a lot of life of, of our life making choices mm-hmm. between what is like what is around us, like what what's presented to us. Right. Account like when you have accountability, you're reminded of what your values are, where you're headed, to, like towards like what what your path and purpose really is. And so you you hold yourself accountable to own that and move towards that at, like at every step of your journey um, and make decisions to make things happen, not waiting, not like holding off, not like filling things out. It's, it's making the conscious choice and decision um, to to move through your path, like with 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 decisiveness. Gotcha. So being decisive, knowing exactly what you want to do, and then following through. Right. How, yeah. how often, if, if I'm working with you, how often are we communicating? Um, I don't really, like, every client's a little bit different. Okay. Um, but usually how it works is we sit down at the beginning of the month. We set the, t- the intention for the month. So I just, I actually just came <laughs> doing that with the client. And um, so I have a a system that I use and um, we would sit down we talk about what your three biggest goals are for the month and then we choose which profitable habit it is that you're um, that you are going to challenge yourself with and then I give a series of tools um, to help with creating those habits and building those habits um, and then show you how to build a system around yourself that is going to keep you accountable even when I'm not there um, the system and so- the system is the key. System is definitely the key. <laughs> the, the system is definitely the key. Why is it and the so, key? Why is it the key? Because it's it's what's going to reinforce the habits. Um, people are flawed. We we know what we should be doing. Like it's just like going to the gym. You know you should go to the gym. You know you should eat healthy. Um, you know you should brush your teeth a certain number of times a day. Um, people don't do these things. Um, because we haven't built the habits to do them. They don't do like, they don't, they don't stick and remind themselves that the purpose of this is worth the habit. It's worth the investment. Right. It's true. Very true. Um, so building habits through a system, working with you, having the accountability, working towards whatever area in tech, uh, that they may be interested in. Mm -hmm. Who is kind of an ideal person that you would want to work with um so i have kind of a spread so um i have three main clients like i have the people who are learning and uh, like want to break into tech right 
those like those are the people who are who they may be students or maybe they've had a career in something else um and then they're looking to transition in, into tech and so they usually have like the most imposter syndrome because they're they're trying to figure out how much is enough tech for me to know before i can call myself <laughs> right <laughs> Is it just um, is it just a cool thing just to say yeah I'm in tech is that like the thing that everybody's trying to say or or what? Um, I I don't necessarily I haven't figured out what it is that is so alluring about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was one of the people that was in tech before it was the cool thing to do. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I like I I'm still kind of mystified that there's all this hype now. <laughs> It's a lot of um, hype. It's, I mean, yeah. it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, um, because I was the one pulling teeth, trying to get get friends. I'm like, oh my gosh, learn this. Like, look, look, all these resources. Oh, this stuff is free. Like, try this. And people would look at me like I'm crazy. But now that I'm doing it and kind of like moving through it, um, you get you get all the phone calls that are like, hey, can you show me how to build out this email list? Like, what are you using for your freebies for your subscribers right. and things like that. So I would say that's one one type of client. The other type of client that I get are um, these people who are big business owners. Um, maybe they've they've like, you know, been in business for 20, 30 years and they really, really know their industry, um, but they want to launch a new service and they have a different type of imposter syndrome where they're like, can I still connect with people in the same way that I used to? Or like, you know, where should I be putting my focus now versus where I was 20 years ago when I started building this, this company out. Um, so that's, that's definitely a different um, aspect of it. Um, and then the last one is the people who are just really those startup clients that, um, that aren't necessarily looking to go into a job, aren't necessarily like running a company already, but are trying to find themselves and discover who they are um, within business and build out their personal brand. So that's that's been a big one. Um, there's a lot of people who really want to know how to sell themselves and package themselves. And um, that's something that I, you know, came from doing um, for years and stuff before I kind of transitioned to this, this coach aspect. It was, I was the one building out the aspects of the brand. Like I, I talk a lot about um, people knowing how to build the brand assets, but not knowing how to build the brand. So I spent a lot of time building people's brand assets, whether it was logos, like, um, you know, doing their color palettes and uh, setting up photo shoots and all of that stuff. But the brand is really something that is a conversation that gets had over and over. Um, it's how you connect with your clients. It's how you position yourself. It's the way that you think and um, the way that your company thinks. So that is the aspect um, of probably like that third, um, that third client. Awesome. So I want to work with you. How do I contact you? How do I reach you? What's the best way to work with you? Is there any, uh, any, anywhere I can go in order to to find you? I would say the best place to contact me is Twitter. Um, like Tirza at Tirza MJ T I R Z A H M J um and other than that like yeah I'm like I'm most I'm most active there and if you if you find me there like I'll I'll put you where you need to be in terms of um getting you booked awesome now you 
you have uh, basically taken over our Instagram. There's a link on the Instagram of Black Equity. What what can we find there? There you'll find an um, my goal planning um, guide, and this is actually a system that I've used probably for about six years to move through my career and um, has been on the back of my door. It's called Dreams That Sick. And um, basically, it's it's a system to help you build a master plan for life and just where you want to be, whether it's your career or like the people that you want to meet along the way, um, the change that you want to become, the places that you want to go, and really building a plan around all of those things. Um, and um, yeah, I had a friend that that came to came over one day and saw it on the back of my door and like had me explain it. And she's like, I need this for my life coaching practice. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, so I built out a guide and after seeing how much success her, um, her clients had with it, um, it was, it was something where I'm like, okay, let me share this with more people. So it's awesome. dreams awesome. that thick. Awesome. So, and they can go ahead and go to uh, black equity pod, click on the link that says free game. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Free game. Okay. Uh, so that is available right now live on black equity instagram now we flip roles for a second here because i don't think it's fair for me to ask you questions and you don't get a chance to ask me anything so if you have any questions for black equity for me this is your opportunity to ask away what do you feel like it as as the person running this because you have such a huge platform what do you feel like are your biggest challenges right now Oh man, great question. Hold on now. You didn't took over the whole podcast. You gotta back <laughs> up. Um, Always ready. <laughs> I think the biggest challenge I have found is people being wanting to be vulnerable enough to do what you're doing right now, but it's sitting down with me and having a regular conversation. I think for a lot of people, th- something like this is in- intimidating. But what most people don't realize is for most people this this is an open platform for anyone who has any interest in black equity and so let me quickly kind of say what that is you don't necessarily have to own the company to have black equity if you are a software developer or you are in the space that allows you to have access to resources, access to people, that is also equity. Equity isn't just owning the uh, necessary, uh, the company. It's actually owning the space, owning the opportunity, and understanding that it really doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what people see you as. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It matters, are you going to own the space or not? Are you going to let somebody else take that spot from you? And so I think for a lot of people, the, the, huge, the huge challenge is seeing themselves as that and believing in it. And so, you know, we don't have a lot of guests come on because I want to make sure that the people that come on truly believe in themselves. And obviously we have that in, in, in you uh, being on today. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Any other I, questions? Like, um. It's it's interesting that she, because the, I've had that conversation with a few people who are podcast hosts is that that people don't commit to their brand. Um, it's I don't necessarily know that it's a question, but I would say, sure. you know, like 
do you, what do you what do you um think that that is tied to i think i'll be honest with you i think people make things bigger than what they are i think they hear the word tech and they run they hear the word podcast and it's bigger than life and they run it's like these words that they've heard all their, not all their lives, you know, last few years, but the last few years, these big buzzwords are out there and it becomes these, this mountain to them, this imaginary mountain. And so in their head, oh my goodness, a podcast, you know, how could I ever do a podcast? And those who've actually done podcasts would tell you, I mean, to, to do just a podcast isn't, you know, the, the, the hard part. It's, is it going to be interesting enough? Um, are you really bringing some type of a value add to the community? And what is, what is, I guess, your goal? Uh, what, what type of message are you trying to get out? I think that is the part that may be a little bit of the hurdle. But I think sometimes these buzzwords get into people's heads and they psych themselves out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you do need an accountability coach to say, no, I need you to do this, this, and this, and, and follow the system. Right. So my follow-up question to that is, when you were getting started, how did you move through your fear of getting started? Wow. You, you good. You are really good. <laughs> you are really good. Um, well, see, it's different for me. And I think it's almost not fair because I've never been a coder. I've never done any type of web design. I have taken some introductory classes and a little bit of all of those things. I come from a place of how do we take a company from good to great? And so from a private equity standpoint is, okay, you have revenues of 400,000, 500,000, 600,000. Awesome. How do we get it to 1.5 million per year? How do we get it to 2 million per year? How are we, how are we uh, leveling up? Uh, So for me, it's almost not even uh, the same, the same world because I'm taking something that's already existing and then seeing, okay, what other partnerships can we put together? What what type of other people can we bring into this uh, particular project or particular company to make it better? Uh, so for me, I almost have a little bit of a cheat code because I get to see the full game. I get to see everybody. I have to work. I was one of those kids in school that I didn't know how to be in the clique. Like to me, cliques were like really weird to me. You know, you got cheerleaders over here, football team over here. It's like really like uh, like a costume party at a, at a high school because everybody looks the same in their own little corners. And I was that kid that just talked to everybody, white, black, Asian. I would walk around the whole entire cafeteria, eating my salad, eating my cookies, eating my pizza and talking to everybody for 35 to 45 minutes. And I just thought that was normal. Come to find out, it wasn't. A lot of people can't do that. They, they you know, they can only hang out with people that look like them and talk like them and think like them. And so in this space, it has allowed me to talk to everyone. And I think that is also a big hurdle is the language barrier of being different. A lot of people don't speak to one another. And so it's it's my job to come in and say, hey, maybe you might want to talk to this person or, hey, you might want to talk to that person. And putting those two people together or putting those two different entities together to help them both grow and help them both scale. There's a couple of things that you mentioned in that, and I just, I want to ping on them. So one of the things in, in like, even the narrative that you said is you said a lot of people can't do that. And 
like that's one of the narratives that I'm trying to like be very very aware of when I hear them because just because we haven't seen them do it doesn't mean that they can't and like that's like that just that simple flip of a switch is, is enough to give people power just saying yes you can do that and I think that is why accountability coaching is was such a easy business to launch such a quick one to launch is because people ultimately just want the permission or someone to say you can and a lot of times if you're not somebody who like if you're somebody who needs someone outside of yourself to do that you don't necessarily know that it's okay to ask for that it's true I I give everybody permission you can do it I think what ends up happening is for some reason you don't believe you can and because this is a fast paced situation if you Mm -hmm. just don't think you can a lot of people unless they talk to you are just going to be standing off to the side and and things are moving things are going on and if you're not believing in yourself then you're always going to be on the sidelines right one of the things that um that i know that i've definitely done in my career and like i like i talk a lot with my my clients is Anytime someone tells me something can't be done, I will create like a whole experiment to show them that it can be. So I, if, if for people who pay attention to my brand, I'm probably the most abusive person to my personal brand in that, like, I'm always testing something. Mm -hmm. And so like right now, for instance, like my website isn't up and super fancy and stuff. There's a lot of people that think that if you don't have a great website, if you don't have like all the bells and whistles, everything, and that people are still not going, like people aren't going to contact you, that people aren't going to buy from you. It's those things help, but I will always go back to the brand is who you are and how you communicate. It's true. And so um, like I create, like I had people that said you couldn't start a, a business from scratch and start to scale it. Like I created a sunglasses company with $40 that I sold from purses and created the experiment around that to scale that. But my point is I try to take all the excuses off the table for people because people will give you a thousand reasons why they can't, but will hesitate to give you one why they can, even if the same tools are available. Mm. The same tools, the same 24 hours of the day, like, you know, like we can sit down and, people will say that they can't and sit in the same room with somebody who will have the same the same things available and i'm not saying that that everyone has equal privilege um and this goes back to the whole the whole difference between equality and equity gotcha um but what i'm saying is if you decide that you can't because you haven't tried then you're already at a loss you have no choice but to lose because you're you're not doing nothing right and i think a lot of people don't want to be vulnerable. A lot of people, I remember this quote, I don't remember who said it, but a lot of people are afraid of starting something new because they don't want to be seen as at the bottom. <laughs> that's you. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And that's an understatement. I've never been. And so I guess when I was saying earlier that they can't do it, obviously I was wrong and you, you, you chin checked me on that. But when I was saying that, it's because they don't want, it's very, it's a very vulnerable thing to always be the person in a group that isn't in the group 
and and so I guess when I said can't, what I really was was saying is it's it's difficult, uh, especially if you don't have a, a certain type of personality, to put yourself quote unquote on the bottom of a hierarchy of conversation. If you have twenty people who are in this little group and they've all known each other for ten or fifteen years, you may feel like oh, you know what can I really contribute to this? But that is, your, that is your competitive advantage. The fact that they've all been talking for 15 or 20 years and that's all they know is each other. And right. maybe you can bring in that light and bring in something new. Exactly. And I would like, and I'll, I'll take this, you know, they always say it, it, it ends with the beginning. Like I'll take this all the way back to that first point that you brought up how, you know, I said being a black in tech is is a superpower is mm-hmm. that when you walk into a room and no one looks like you no one sounds like you no like you know people don't necessarily understand where you're coming from from the jump that means that you have the most value in the room because mm-hmm. they have the most to learn from your perspective exactly and people have to be okay with feeling a little uncomfortable in those situations because it's the only way that you're going to get more people in the room that look like you sound like you move like you. You are the value. Yeah. The moment you realize that the fact that you don't fit in, no matter what this is, no matter if you're investing, if you're a developer or whatever, the fact that you don't fit in is, is a superpower. It's okay. It's I, I guess that's just who I've always was. I, I grew up as an army brat. I never fit in. And at some point, it just switched in my head. I said, oh, shoot. I don't fit in. This is cool. And then all of a sudden, people started gravitating to the fact that I knew I didn't fit in. And I started embracing it. And I always knew stuff that other people just didn't know because I was always the new kid on the block. Right. Yeah. And you can always use it to your advantage. I actually love coming into things understated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, that's that's one of my like my favorite things to do because I get to learn so much from people not thinking that I know a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of times they'll start explaining things that that you know maybe I actually didn't know and stuff. But you know, play, being naive sometimes is is also. Mm-hmm. Um, it plays to an advantage. It's not always to people's detriment. And so I'm always talking about rewriting the narrative. Like things, things aren't done to you. You really have to, you know, own, own your experience so that it becomes like every, everything is planted. Gotcha. It's good advice. I, I'm starting to feel like you're my accountability coach here. This is, <laughs> you gotta back I off. I can't turn it off. <laughs> no, I, I am, I'm blessed by this conversation because I know there's people who, I mean, I get messages all day and people are always listening in and they're always trying to get that, 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 that daily wisdom, that daily knowledge. And I know there's gems basically every minute of this podcast that people are going to be listening to and, and, and rewinding back to and say, Ooh, you know, what does that mean? And so hopefully they'll, they'll hear this podcast. They'll reach out to you. That's another thing y'all for everybody who's listening, reach out, develop yes. relationships. And I, I said something the other day and I'm going off on a tangent here, but I said something the other day. It's like, look, take my number. Who wants my number? Y'all call, just call me. 
because it, it, at at this point, let's just do old school. Because when when it, before all the social media and all this other stuff, if you met somebody in real life that you just wanted to vibe with, you just exchanged numbers and called each other up and just had a conversation. And so I'm right. almost at that point where it's like, let's just talk. Because unless we talk and plan and, and execute and, and, and actually put it in the atmosphere, ain't nothing going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. And so if we can start having conversations, then we can say, ooh, that's your superpower. This is my superpower. What if we put them together and look at all the great things we could do? Right. And you don't have to wait five to seven business days to connect with people. <laughs> you don't have to. I mean, you don't. Yeah. I mean, some people will make it, but no, you don't have to. Yeah, you can talk to them that day, especially if you, especially if you're if you're going to work with someone, and it's a value for both of you. Right. If there's value in it for both of you, that means you both have an investment. That means you both have equity in the situation. Right. And I'll even like I'll even go as far to say like sometimes you build con- connections and you don't necessarily need anything from them. Amen. Cause like I've, I, you know, I've had a couple of people that, um, have reached out on Twitter because, or, you know, they, they ask for something and I'm just like, Hey, yeah, you know, I have the resource and they're like, Oh, like how, you know, what do you want in return? And I'm like, I don't need anything from you, but I like, I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll stay connected and stuff. Like it's not, you don't need something for every single thing. Um, sometimes it's, it's good to just like connect and send light and, be light in 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 between time and stuff and um you never know when those things are going to come back up like i didn't know that one of my followers was actually a millionaire <laughs> like that i sent a resource to like you you don't know these things um speaking, always but... speaking of which and uh, i'm not sure you know what, what the best way to do this is but there is a book that i read that is uh, to me is groundbreaking it's really a lot of statistics. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. I don't have the author in front of me. Oh, yeah. You're mm-hmm. familiar? Mm-hmm. I am. I mean, millionaires are next door to you every day. The, right. the, the millionaires are... The millionaire isn't the... You know, now if you can, you know, find you a billionaire, you know, that's you know that's a different right. thing. But you're probably... You've probably, probably walked by a millionaire at least once every day of your life, and you just don't know it. Right. It's not this big thing. That goes back to about 15, 20 minutes ago. It's not this big thing that you're making it. You you hear the word millionaire. You hear the word podcast. You hear the word tech. You hear this word and that word. And then you get, I don't know, you get lost in this dream world in your own mind and you overcomplicate it. I I would say that a lot of times like part of part of that too is that hollywood and mm. that we buy tickets to, to go to shows and movies to go see movie stars and like all that stuff it's made it seem like just because somebody is a millionaire that they should be unapproachable mm. and the, like they're those those two things don't actually go together so like you can be approachable and be a millionaire like I, not I, saying all of them are but you know, you can you can have conversations with millionaires like that just want to have conversations. I think that's the old model. I think the old model is let me be this big star. Let me be this big thing that is so unre- unreachable. And that will make you want to, you know, buy the ticket because, oh, I want to be them one day. That was like 
you know, the 80s and the 90s and maybe even mm-hmm. a little bit of the early 2000s. And now if you look now, Will Smith is saying, hey, I'm, I'm accessible. You know, let me put out my full everything on YouTube. Let me put out everything I have so you can fully see that, OK, I'm just a regular guy. I have fears like you have fears. I have problems like you have problems. You know, it, it, there's no difference between me and you other than, hey, I did this thing and I followed through with it and I didn't give up. Right. Yeah. Like, it's it's so funny. Um, When I was in college, one of the things that I used to do is, like, on Twitter, I would, when I read a book, I would tweet out to the, the author and ask them questions sometimes. And I sometimes they responded to and sometimes they didn't. But it it was one of those things that taught me that I can, you know, have conversations with people who are on different levels that I'm not on. And, um, and I think that more people should do that. Like, you know, if you look up to someone, reach out to them, like read the resources that they're reading, pick their brain if you can, but be mindful and be respectful. Yes. Um, <laughs> like I have to say that. Yeah, be mindful. Be, yes. Be, yeah, be and mindful. Yeah, and and follow follow DM etiquette. <laughs> yeah, don't don't go crazy now. Yeah, be 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 uh, respectful. But what, but, you're, uh, what you're saying yeah. is powerful because that's kind of how I fell into where I am today, and it, it was because I'm never afraid to reach out to someone and say, "Hey, I'm DJ," and then wherever that takes me is where it takes me. Right, and you don't know unless you, unless you do. Yeah, but only do that if it's genuine, though. Don't don't throw your hands out, and then all you're doing is taking and taking and taking. Yeah, I just I feel like if 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 I'm reaching out to someone, my rule of thumb, and it actually came from I think it's like seven spiritual laws of success. Is mm-hmm. like they basically say it one. I think one of the laws is to always, um, if you come, come with a gift, and yeah. so as long as you're giving when when you have an interaction with someone it doesn't mean something physical or like you know money necessarily like sometimes it just means information sometimes it means like like words of encouragement or you know celebrating something that they won that week and um it's it's one of the things that will draw more gratitude and more you know prosperity and life in general just by always being someone who's giving when you have interactions i i heard the other day from a little birdie in the sky that you read the book The Four Agreements. Is that correct? I did. <laughs> what is your what, what was your takeaway? For people who have been hearing about this book, it's been talked about, I know uh, Will Smith and some others, I think it was uh, Pharrell, that might have been The Alchemist, but a lot of people have said how The Four Agreements has been impactful for their life. What, what did you walk away with? This is going to sound really weird but so um the four agreements was really interesting because i didn't know that i already walked by those four like i'd never i've never read a book that validated that Mm. i guess was was the biggest thing for me and so you know even in the beginning they talk about like how um how the stars are formed and how like i know this isn't a spiritual podcast but the oh yes like, it is hold on oh. <laughs> okay oh. so Go they ahead. talk about like god like how god is love and one of the things and i think yeah you and i even had this conversation mm-hmm. um my mantra for life is be love or be that thing yeah. so 
if I'm interacting with you, it's from a place of love. If I'm, if I'm your accountability coach and I'm telling you something I don't like, or I'm trying to get you somewhere, it's because I'm coming from a place of love. There's not like, I don't leave room for like, if, if I'm angry about something, it's because I love something. And so if I'm not, I take my space until I'm in a place, I can be in a place to communicate from a place of love. That's, that's my self-awareness technique. And so, um, I think that that book just it was it was interesting reading it because I know I've had the like the whole entire beginning of the book like I've had those conversations with my friends explaining that I feel like I'm crazy sometimes when I say these things when I talk about being light when I talk about (laughs) um, moving as like when I talk about how much I just wake up sometimes and I'm just so grateful um that I can't quantify why or what it's what it's from but it's because like there's so many little things to be to to acknowledge in my own life that that have just fallen into place over time just by taking the steps that I was supposed to take and so I would just say that the four agreements is um for people that need need structure and need something that that is going to validate why they should do the right thing even when it's not the common thing the four agreements is that book. You said something a couple of minutes ago. You said, um, you know, sometimes, you know, well, you, first you said be love or be nothing, correct? Mm-hmm. And then something popped in my mind because you were, you were kind of hinting at it. A few episodes ago, we did a, a full review of when Steve Harvey sat down with Monique and okay. they had it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they had a conversation and he said something to her. He said, uh, now, you know, you say that's love, but, you know, you know, love sound like love. And I said in the, the podcast, I said, that's not true. Love doesn't always sound like love because when you sometimes. No, love can sound like an attack. <laughs> break that down. Break that down. Um, so as an accountability coach, you know, there's sometimes that I am pushing my clients through some 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 moments that are very trying like I you know some some people if if they don't hit their numbers they won't have food for their kids some some people will lose their cars and things like that so it's not just you know getting to tech and stuff like that it's it's some of some situations are more do or die and so um there's times where I will have clients that will want to sit and wallow and, you know, they, they're like, you're my accountability coach. I just want to tell you all my problems. I'm like, I'm your accountability coach, not your therapist. So I'm going to listen to you enough to identify where, where your power is at in the situation to change it. Gotcha. And so if I'm telling you that you have the ability to change it and you're not ready to receive it, it's going to sound like an attack. It's going to sound like I'm being mean. And it's like, no, I'm not being mean. I'm not yelling at you. I'm not, I'm just telling you something that you probably already know is true, but you don't want to hear because you won't open your eyes. Your eyes are closed to what your options are because you're suffering and that's okay. Cause that's human. That's, that's a natural human. Like if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, when when you're below the fold on that like you're going to feel like everything is against you um but it's my job to come from a place of love to be able to show you that you have the ability to work your way out of it even if even if you're not emotionally ready even if you're not in the physical mental spiritual mindset 
to to fight right now sometimes that's that's what you need most to to get you there because when when you like ascend again you're gonna remember this moment and she said uh, where you're like she said that i could do it she yeah. said that i had options she it's said true. that i could make decisions it's true and i did it and then i made it past it and life life is just all the ebb and flow like that like you're all there's always going to be something that's going to send you a little bit lower but that's so that you can identify those places that you don't want to go again and get even further mm, that's deep there was another book you've you've been talking about in in the Twitter world. He said we can find you on Twitter. So we know that when we go there, we're going to see you talking about some of the books you're reading, uh, some of the things you're seeing. What's the latest book you've read? I've been like obsessed with the chameleon aura right now. Say it again. What's the name of the, it? Sorry, the chameleon aura. Okay. It's actually like this one is different than most of the books that I recommend because this one is actually a poetry book. Gotcha. Um, but it's more than that because I feel like he really wrote this in as a means of healing mm-hmm. and self actualization and um almost like you have to forgive yourself for not knowing what you didn't know and then uh, like and then also acknowledge that the power that you have in yourself to unlock um unlock your own peace Mm -hmm. if that makes sense um i guess would be the best way to explain it but it's by billy uh chapata okay uh have you ever thought about doing a book club I have thought about doing a book club. I'm developing a list. <laughs> you list and for... I can talk books all day. Yeah, I oh, I can't wait. Like the the day that I start like opening up the floodgates for this. Um, I just recently went viral on um on Twitter for a post that said books are the cheat code. Uh, books are the cheat codes to life, and so it's just been great because I'm watching all these great books recommendations fly past my timeline and I probably read um like three or four books a week and so it's just um I'm loving it I'm definitely loving it so being black in tech is a superpower is that correct yes uh, books are the cheat code to life (laughs) yes do you got one more for us is there one more tweet that's coming that you can prepare us for Um, you got be love or be nothing be love or be nothing open like break down walls and open doors is like the other one that I use a lot Um, what does that mean to you like break break down doors open wall uh, like um, break down walls and open doors break down walls in your mind break down walls in your relationships break down like you know all all of the things that are stopping you all the challenges like that's why I always ask what is your biggest challenge because as soon as you acknowledge what your challenge is you can see past it Mm -hmm. but you have to acknowledge what the wall is so that you can get past it that's facts yeah so I would say break break down um break down walls open doors is is probably the other that's a great advice. Is there anything else that you uh, need to ask before we, we go today? What is, so for you, what do you feel like is the takeaway for you, like that you can do within your power? I think the biggest thing that you, you chin check me on is the word can't. 
and making sure that I'm very, um, I remember, this is going to be a random story, y'all. I, I apologize. <laughs> I was working at, I was working in a uh, call center for a major bank. And most people who, who listen, they know what bank I'm talking about. And there was this girl that I was working with. And we, we hit it off. We became, you know, co-worker friends type things. And we see each other every day. And we, I would root for her. She'd root for me. And we became each other's uh, uh, buddies at work. And uh, we ended up going to different teams. And one day I was just walking by her desk. And she was looking to post out and go to another position within the company. And I'll never forget this. Because it hurt my soul that I I. I I felt like I broke somebody's dream or, or said something that hurt their dream. And I always remember it for the rest of my life. And uh, she was pointing at the, the, the position she wanted to apply for. And it was in San Francisco. And now at the time I'm in South Carolina, I'm still young. I'm still, you know, wet behind the ear, which I probably still am today, but I'm still learning this thing. And I say, wow, San Francisco, you know, that's kind of expensive, which that's always what I heard. I didn't know if it really was. I never looked it up to see if it was expensive or anything like that. And it like crushed her heart. Now, I don't know why my words were that powerful, but I started realizing that my words are powerful, you know, because instead of saying, oh, yeah, that would be a really great place for you to go or, yeah, that would be, you know, really really great opportunity which it was it wasn't that it wasn't a great opportunity i thought i was just having a conversation with a friend and being honest like okay that might be a little bit more than you know living in south carolina but it really hurt you know really hurt her spirit Mm -hmm. that i didn't i wasn't supportive of a potential dream she had because she was seeing a dream in her head and she was going to make possibly the only person that she felt you know comfortable going to and you know, I, I don't take full responsibility because you do have to, you know, uh, still decide stuff for yourself. Because I've, I've had to, people tell me stuff all the time and I'm still, you know, pushing. But I, it did wake me up a lot. And so what I leave with today is the word can't. You know, yeah, you can. You can do anything that you want to do. It's all possible. At One of the first episodes we had on this podcast, I was saying it's all made up anyway. This is a make-believe world. You create your own reality. Why not just create the grandest vision that you could ever imagine? And so I don't know why people get to this place where they feel uh, that they can't do things. And so I'm glad you did say that, but I never want to be that person that says you can't do anything. It's awesome. Love that type of stuff. Like it's 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 such a powerful thing to like un- like be self-aware of. of- the words that we use and I think that's that ultimately has been my I guess I would say my superpower in this accountability coaching thing is like really challenging the language we use challenging the narratives that we use because those those are the things that will that will keep us in the same place so it was one of the agreements right be impeccable with your words Mm -hmm. yes it's one of the agreements and I to me when I'm reading the four agreements what I walk away with is, and you, you basically said this, it's a blueprint of personal freedom to say, hey, I'm not going to take anything personal. 
how you feel is how you feel, and I can't take on your feelings. And I'm going to make sure that I watch everything that I that I say and, and everything I do. I'm always going to do my best. Now, you ain't got to worry about that. I'm always going to do my best. I'm going to be impeccable with, with my words. And what's the other one I'm missing? I'm missing the fourth one. Impeccable with your words. Um, I can't think of what my fourth agreement. I can't. Is. Yeah, I'm like I can't think of it off but, the top of my. But it's like a blueprint, and and so if you haven't read it yet, just take take a day or two. It's, it's an easy to me. It's the easiest read. One of the easiest reads I've ever had. Read the four agreements. Even if you end up not agreeing with any of them, at least you can pick up some type of wisdom, um, you know, from, from the book. Right. Yeah. It's a great author, too. Don yeah. Miguel. I've, I think I've read two of his other books. And then his son has one, too. That I yeah, he I'm has reading. a book, Mastery, that, like the, the Toltec Guide to Ma- Self-Mastery. And gotcha. it's, it's an amazing, amazing read. Have you ever thought about being an author? I have. I've wanted to write a book since I was probably 10 or 11. So it's one of those things that um, has always been on my mind. And I've kept journals since I was four. But I am in the process of finally taking steps to um, to do that. But part of me feels like I'm in the middle of my story. Mm. Well, aren't we all? We all are. But I just, I, I don't necessarily know what it is that I'm waiting for to click. Um, so I'm writing anyway. And I guess that's that's always the biggest thing is like, no matter, like, I always try to go do things even when I'm not ready. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm waiting for it to click. Gotcha. When it clicks, we would love to have you back on the show. Talk about the book. Uh, talk about some of the things that you found in it. Maybe the struggles and the successes. Uh, that came from writing the book. You're welcome to come back on the podcast anytime. Thank you so much. It was it was really great to to be on and have the conversation today because this this is definitely a conversation worth having. Thank you so much for coming on Black Equity once again. This is Tirza Monet, uh, the business and accountability coach that you need to reach out to today, especially if you're in the tech space because it could alter your life for the good. So do whatever you can, reach out to her, and thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I will guarantee you with the, with the creativity in our community and the brilliance in our community, 20 years from now, we'll be looking at 50 wonderful technology companies that are run, owned, operated, or developed by African Americans. But if we don't get them on ramp, right, but if we don't get them on ramp, it won't happen. And remember that arbitrage that disappears over time? That opportunity, it will be gone. That lovely will happen, and we will have not have participated in the greatest wealth-creating opportunity in the history of this planet. You look at the top, you know, the wealthiest 10 people on the planet, and they say, you know, have more than the other half. Six of them made the wealth in technology. I will guarantee you in the next 20 years, take that same list, it's probably going to be eight the question is, how do we get a part of that wealth? And I will tell you, it is more likely through technology because none of us own large swaths of land any longer or did. You see what I mean?